All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is Sunday. I am Jason Napolitano, and I have Mr. Chris Sheridan on the line. How are you today? Good to be here, Jason. Thank you, Chris. I'm here today. You are here today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know how that happened. uh, (laughs) Oh, you called me. All right. (laughs) That's right. But you know what? Really, bigger than that, though, it's one of the, the mysteries. Like, how are any of us here, Chris? How are any yeah, of us really here? Why is there happen. why is there something versus nothing? Wrap your head around that. So, speaking of that, we are going to be talking about some of these some of these kind of mysterious ideas, but also uh, some practical things as well today. Our topic today, and it's going to be fairly loose. Uh, we do have somewhat of a plan, and we are going somewhere with it, and we know you're going to get something out of it. Uh, but we feel like uh, it's going to unfold itself in a very interesting way. So what we're talking about today is the inner and outer systems that we live in. Um, so essentially, and that's kind of, uh, you may think, well, what the hell does that mean? So we will talk a little bit about that before we even get into this. Uh, but essentially what we're talking about is belief systems, inner structures, the psyche, and so on, what goes on inside ourselves, you know, maybe the more sort of spiritual and esoteric side of us versus sort of the exoteric world, the outside world, which is the systems and the cultural uh, conditions we find ourselves in, the political conditions, the economic conditions, and so on. So kind of uh, broadly speaking, uh, we're going to talk about the inner versus the outer, how those are how they work together, how they need to sometimes work differently in order to make changes and so on. So we're going to have a really great show today. So I know it's, we feel like it's topical and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to speak for Chris. I'll let him speak in a second, but we feel like it's topical because of all the stuff that's going on, certainly socially, politically, economically, the stuff with the virus all of this stuff seems very, in some ways, external to us. It seems like the system out there. And so we wanted to really discuss how uh, those systems in here, as it were, the inner systems, relate to those outer systems and how we can make those changes within us and then outside of us as well and how those are, are interrelated. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that or did I kind of... Get well, I think it. that covers it. I mean, the system, okay. you could look at it, the external one is the structure under which governments and schools and economies and societies run. And then the internal or this inner system is really how we go about it, what our expectations, our perceptions, uh, and really what's our belief in how much power we have and what we can do individually. Uh, within and around these external systems, what's the uh, what's our part in it? Wow, that was much much better said. I should have just shut up and let you let you say that. <laughs> well, Thank you. All right, we'll see. You. And that's and that's why we're a team. All right, exactly. so let me say this uh, before we get started. Uh, Chris has a book called The Spirit in the Sky. My book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. That is available on Amazon as well as uh, Chris's book is available on Amazon as well. You can check that out at cosmiceye.org or on Chris's website, chrissheridan.com. And if you want, please support us. If you believe in the work that we're doing here and you, you know, you're trying to 
be a part of this change. Uh, if you can support us here, that greatly helps us. That's at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye, and you can make a little financial donation through there. So getting that housekeeping out of the way, uh, let us move into inner and outer systems. Inner and outer systems. So something you said uh, in there really, really, really uh, caught my caught my ear, as it were, and it was that how much power you think you have and how and where you believe you are and how important that is uh, in terms of dealing with these outer systems. Um, talk about that a little bit. Well, some of these larger systems under which we live are big, they're powerful. Uh, a lot of them have been around a long time. They're entrenched. Uh, it's almost impossible to compete, much less win <laughs> over these big systems. So you're talking about, level. for example, like a, like an Amazon or, a, or competing against a Walmart or something, if you're a mom and pop store, that kind of thing. Is that correct? Sure, sure. If you're trying okay. to, you know, engage in the people in your community or you're, you know, going up against, you know, federal government or something. Sure. Like that. Doesn't gotcha. mean those things can't be transformed or changed. Yeah, uh, yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe they should on some some ways. But I think with that power structure, there's a so if you look at the big system, can't fight city hall is a is an old term that people used to say. You can't really have much power with on those terms in that way that these power structures operate unless you become one of them and then of course become stronger than them but there's a way to move in and through these systems uh, in a different way that maybe isn't directly competing or directly trying to change these other ones but there's still room to maneuver and you can be very successful and you can uh, come up with new ideas on how to teach your children without having to fight the teacher's union or, you know, anything like that. Okay. Uh, there are ways to do, and that's where I think, you know, some of this problem and not only the problem, the problem of trying to solve these problems. A lot of times we just want to tear down the existing structure and then we'll replace it with a whole new one. Mm -hmm. um, that may happen, but you run the risk of then just installing a new thing that will have the same habits. Look at uh, Lord of the Flies. You know, okay, there's no grownups and the kids get to run the show and then they end up just behaving like the grownups did. Um, or, even, or even worse, actually. Or worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I think, the point. Yeah. Uh, so be careful about tearing down, you know, the system and raising up a new one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could be prone to just a different set of problems, um, but nonetheless, some, some very disempowering, very serious problems can arise with this new system, unless you are activating the internal, that is your consciousness, the way you look at these things, the way you look at yourself. So there is a way to be incredibly powerful. Uh, they, in war, I think they call it asymmetrical war, that it's not, well, I have this many bombers and this many men, and the other side has that many bombers and that many men uh, off to war. There's a different way to kind of, I don't want to hate these wars as an example, but uh, there are ways that a, a 
opposing army could be underfunded and have much fewer resources and equipment and technology, but using a different type of tactic um, can be successful. Same thing in if it's health, if it's education, if it's how you you live in your community. Uh, There are ways to go outside, not really outside, but uh, without having to change the external to, um, you know, do things on your own, do things with each other, a spirit of community and cooperation. Uh, Then you're not even depending on these other systems. And you're certainly not bothering the time it takes to try to change one of these big oppressive systems. Maybe you could have done something constructive that made them kind of irrelevant, yeah, that's a good that's a good point, and I like that asymmetrical warfare idea. Um, I was kind of just thinking about that when you were talking. It's like, in some ways, you know, that was it really in a lot of ways. If you look at, for example, the American Revolution, uh, the, you know, the reason why we were able to to you know uh, beat beat the British was that you know we fought in a in a guerrilla warfare style that the, uh, the the classically trained uh, British uh, soldiers were not used to, you know, they were used to battling in rows and, you know, there was a sort of gentleman's agreement of what you do and don't do. And here we're popping out of the woods and, you know, blowing people up and shooting from trees at them and things like that. And, you know, that was a different style of war than they were, than they were used to. And so, you know, there's sort of quality to it, like you said, like an asymmetrical quality in a way, like you're not engaging before you're not, it's almost like what I'm thinking of in some ways, it's a sort of a less violent way of looking at it. Maybe it would be like the Aikido approach. If you're familiar with the martial art of Aikido, it's like judo. It's where you're using the opponent's force against the opponent, basically. So it's this very harmonious sort of almost dance-like martial art in a way. So, you know, and I don't mean that it's not effective, but it, it's a very flowing, a very flowing quality to it. I almost see like a like like a sort of asymmetrical quality to that sort of 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 guerrilla action where it could almost be like a you know an aikido style of doing something it's almost like you know sometimes we want to go up against things and I think we see a lot of this in politics today speaking of the the external system you see like you know conservatives fighting liberals and Democrats fighting Republicans and everybody fighting everybody else. And, you know, some people want to dismantle the system and think it's completely broken and, you know, needs to be replaced. And some people think it's just fine the way it is. In fact, it needs more, you know, the same. And, but, you know, whatever, you get all these different sides of things. And, you know, they're, it, the, the primary sort of story or narrative that's being told is that, you battle it out and, you know, the better side wins. And the thing is, it's not really, that's not really how changes get made in human society. It's not the way changes get made in nature either. You know, there's that sort of a, there's a more sort of harmonious thing that occurs and a more, more natural and gradual process that occurs. And oftentimes it just involves like, a movement that's subtle that changes the direction of something or a you know a stream slightly shifts over here and then new trees grow in over there and you know it takes time it's one of these things though where i think like if we take an approach if we don't like a system 
we don't like the way things are being done and we feel it's oppressive and so on. It's, it's not wrong to try to fight it. I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up and battle against things at times. However, if something, you know, the challenge with the things that we're, we're trying to solve problems today, let's say we're trying to solve economic issues, we're trying to solve ecological problems, you know, climate change and, um, you know, massive unemployment right now and a lot of different challenges. The thing is, there's, there's no, there's no sides to these things. You know, there's just a bunch of people involved in a, in a bunch of different situations that need creative solutions to solve. And how you ideologically or ideologically, however you want to pronounce it, frame these ideas has an impact on the outcome of the solution. So just how you look at the problem and how you frame it and how you think you're going to make a solution has an outcome on the solution itself and what is possible. And the problem is most of our solutions right now are just bickering, fighting, yelling, screaming, um, you know, being upset at, uh, being in opposition to. And, you know, that's problematic. That's problematic. So, you know, in that sense, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that like the, that there's, there's the problem, the, the problem and the solution are both problematic because you're not looking at the issue in a, in a holistic and correct way. Would you agree with that? Well, you're also looking at the situation and the underlying structure with the same with the point same of view eyes. Yeah. as that structure has. And maybe that's what's flawed. There's a lot of talk. One of the social issues is universal health care, which I think is a great thing. Uh, but what does that mean? Free insurance or the government pays the insurance company who then takes a fee and then pays the doctors who take a fee and the HMOs and the hospitals, and and then you get, you know, universal free health care. Uh, two things are going on. Is this system, yes, maybe it pays the bills and gets you in the door, which I think is important, um, but maybe that system itself, that whole structure is flawed, and that you go to the doctor every time you get a stuffy nose, or you take antibiotic after antibiotic every time you get a fever. Mm-hmm. You know, are we looking at the next pill to try to change something that maybe diet and exercise could really address? Why are we so sick? What are we sick of? 60% of this has been reported of ailments that people go to see a doctor for. They don't understand. There's no real diagnosis because they're not really sure what it is based on the symptoms. And there's an attempt at a therapeutic, but does it really work? I don't, maybe shouldn't even gone to the doctor for that in the first place. Maybe there's some other things. So, and, and what's even making you sick to begin with? It's not just about paying the yeah. medical bill, but you, our healthcare system in the United States is, is already more expensive than, than the developed world or the whole, entire world, I should say. Um, but we're not the healthiest people. So yeah. maybe just getting free healthcare isn't the right answer. It can mm-hmm. help, but Maybe you know, maybe the healthcare, the way we approach healthcare, our own health, which can determine how these systems operate. Yeah. Um, but taking control or you know, responsibility for your own health, not just believing 
these same people that are putting out the ads on which pill to take, you know, maybe exercise and doing something and volunteering and meditating and sleeping yeah. better and sure and using more better eating habits. Yeah, and some of the you know natural herbal treatments that have been used for hundreds, if not thousands, of years, and uh, you know hypnosis and you know shaman healings and you know natural forms of healing that human beings have been using you know uh you know the natural plants and 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 uh even you know mushrooms and so people are using all kinds of different different medicinal uh plants for 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 different purposes with psychological healing and physical and mental healing and so you know there's a lot of things that are available that um you know, that our ancestors knew about and used that for some reason we no longer are interested in because we think, you know, Pfizer has the, 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 the lock on healing or, you know, the HMO that I belong to is the only one that has any kind of authority to, to work on me. And so then you think you're right, you're right about that. And it's like, you're not asking the question, like, how can I be healthier? You're asking, how can I make a, a better, you know, how can I fix a broken system? Which it may be a question that needs to be asked, but it, it's almost like an effect. Instead of looking at the cause and saying, well, why are we so unhealthy? And what is it about our society that's making people so sick all the time? And why do they feel like they need to go to the doctor all the time? What, what, what's going on here? And I think what you said is, you know, you talked about exercise and diet and lifestyle and so on. And it's like, you know, it's such a, it's kind of a, it's a strange thing. It's like, it's a, you know, we're interested in, you know, we trust corporations and we trust a doctor because he or she has went to medical school for so long. And we trust, you know, this government person or that government person or this corporate, you know, head or figurehead. And, but we won't trust people in the community. We don't trust our neighbor. We won't trust ourselves. We won't trust God. We won't trust the spirits and ancestors. We won't trust nature. Uh, you know, how have we gotten to this place do you know what I mean? I wonder, I wonder how that happened because all we had before was, was spiritual healing. That was all that was available. There was no medical system. And, you know, there's not really, I know, you know, they look at these, these reports and they say, well, you know, our lifespan was, you know, so long at the, in this period of time. And, you know, with, you know, with proper medical care now, you know, people live so much longer and all this. I, I don't know about that. It may be true, but it may not be true. You know, several, you know, generations ago, 10 generations ago or something, and they weren't keeping as accurate of records and things like that. And, you know, there certainly isn't as much data available. And we don't really know what was going on in the countryside, certainly in cities and in, you know, dirty sort of environments and stuff in the, you know, in the Middle Ages and, and so on. You know, your lifespan was extremely short. But prior to all that, prior to early development of, you know, of technology and civilizations, you know, we don't know how long people lived. We don't know the quality of their life. You know, we don't really have the we don't really have that data. So for us to say, like, well, you know, we're so much better off now than than people were 2000 or 3000 years ago. We don't really know that. You know, they may have not had to deal with a lot of the things that we have to deal with. They may have not had as much disease. I mean, certainly we know they had leprosy and we know people were blind and so on. And we've seen, you know, you can see it in, 
in mythology and in, in stories, you know, these things existed. But do, do, do you know what I'm saying, though? You're like, we're assuming that because our, we have all this technology, the quality of our life is so much better now. And I'm not saying that it isn't to some degree. But, you know, is, is, is everything we're looking at accurate? Are we measuring with the right measurements? Are we making sure that, you know, we're, we're really looking at things in the correct way? And that's why I'm saying this inner and outer system have a lot to do with it. So the outer system, let's call that the, you know, the culture that we live in and the political structure and the, you know, the economic system that we live in tells us certain things and we grow up in it. It's as if we're, we're swimming in it. You know, we can't even see it. It's so obvious to us what life is like. It's like a fish in a fishbowl. It doesn't even question the water it's in because it's, that's all it knows. It's just in the water. That's, this is what life is. <clears throat> but, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a myriad of different ways that, you know, that things are living and people can live and so on that have nothing to do with anything that's going on inside of that fishbowl. So, you know, oftentimes we take for granted, this is the way things are. This is the way things should be. Uh, this is the way things have always been. This is the way we do it. And, and, and half of the stuff that we do that more than half of the stuff that we do, it probably was invented in the last 50 years. In the last 20 years, in the last 30 years, like if you think about it now, you, you can't imagine your life without a, a smartphone and constant Internet. And yet, I assure you, there was a time when we did not have those things, even if even if you've never known that. I can tell you from the pre-Internet age, you know, and Chris can as well. We can verify that there was a time before the Internet and before the smartphone. When you did not carry a phone around with you, and you may see that in the movies sometimes, you see people using corded phones. And then there's even times prior to that where people didn't even have a phone in their home. And they managed to live. And you know, again, I'm not trying to be anti-technology. What I'm saying is look at the paradigm that you're living in. Look at the culture that you're living in. Look at the water that you're swimming in that you're taking for granted. And make sure, and this is where this is the inner and outer can be, but make sure that that's aligning with your inner values. So if, if, if this business as usual on the outside does not line up with your inner values, you're in a world of, of hurt most of the time, you know, and that's part of the reason why we're sick. And that's part of the reason why we're not happy. And that's part of the reason why we're, you know, taking Prozac and we're trying to Netflix and chill all the time and, um, you know, and distract ourselves and, you know, do all these different things to make ourselves feel better. Um, because we're not in harmony with our inner self. We're not in harmony with our inner system. So the outer system's there, and we're trying our best to participate in it, but our inner system is screaming to us, you're not moving in the right direction. You know, and it comes to us through our dreams, through hunches, through moods, through visions. We begin to see a different vision for ourselves in our lives. Um, but, you know, the outer world is projecting something completely different onto us, and we're buying that. We're buying it, we're watching it, we're paying for it, you know, to program us into this belief system. It's very, you know, it's, it's weird. It's very insidious. And it's, it's, it's insidious in the sense that it's not like we're all participating in it. There's no, it's not like there's, you know, a little cabal of people sitting back there trying to distort reality. We're all willing participants in it. 
Do you, do you know what I mean? That's why it's so challenging to, to see it, to recognize that some of the things we're doing are absolutely antithetical to our happiness, our well-being, our joy, our spiritual connection with each other and with our, you know, selves and our own inner lives. Uh, because so much of what we do reflects back this individualistic idea, this materialistic and consumerism uh, paradigm that we live in and so on that we see in the movies and television commercials and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and then in our day-to-day life, you know, the neighbor got a new BMW, so I need to get a new BMW. I'm falling behind, you know, all those kinds of ideas. And again, they're not inherently wrong, those things. It's just that uh, you've got to look at, at, at the structure that you're living in and make sure that it's lining up with your real values. You know what I mean? Well, that's something we all need to pull back from the system uh, to get a little more objective viewpoint and really see what's going on. Because if it's a political system and you say, well, the problem is we just don't have the right person in office. If we just had my candidate in office, yeah. if this one out, we would be OK. But you're, you're still participating in the same system. You're still playing the same game with the same rules. And I don't care who you put in, it's the system isn't changing. So you're just moving, you know, pawn pieces around on the chessboard or something. It's not really doing anything. And I think what's happened is, you know, because life had been so harsh for so many centuries, you know, with the weather, with animals, with the elements, um, with you know disease you know it's so complicated and so difficult um to live that with the industrial revolution and technology you know gosh you can put a house just about anywhere and put an air conditioner and a heater in it and i don't care what the temperature is outside you're going to be fine you can you know so there's been huge improvements and in the telecommunication and exchange of information it's we should be doing a hell of a lot better than we are right now because of these technological advances. I don't think they're the bad element necessarily, but mm. it's our belief in them that those things alone, oh, well, now we have this technology. Mm-hmm. I, I keep going back to war, but in World War One, the reason why so many, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people suffered and died for, you know, yards worth of land uh, on the battlefield is they were using those old techniques the old battlefield mindset, like you were talking about the British, Mm. but then they had machine guns and airplanes and all this stuff that had never happened before. So they had the new technology, but they had the old way of thinking. And that's where the problem is. So with this new technology, we need to have this new way of thinking, or even without the technology, we need to maybe get back to some uh, ways that are more aligned, like you said, with your true values and beliefs not the ones that the system is giving us because the system i'm just kind of give it a big big name Mm -hmm. uh the and by that i mean the relatively artificial best we've done so far civilization Mm -hmm. system that keeps water running and electricity on and uh, roads paved and and you know kids going to school and things like that um you know we've just become so enamored by it and for us to succeed we think for us to succeed in the world or the kids to succeed or 
anything to be improved is that we have to do A, B, C, and D that the system <laughs> says we need to do. Yeah. Um, that may be true to some point, but I think what's happened, this disconnect is that the more we try to conform to this artificial structure, the less we are in line with the natural order and universal yeah. harmony and structure. And that's where we have this because deep down inside we know that's not right you mm. know just to, i'll just end this segment with a quick example it's like the law of the jungle well it's dog eat dog well it's it's brutal out on wall street or boy in the boardroom we you know sure had a had a tough fight well the actual jungle where there's you know lions and tigers and things mm -hmm. um, the fastest cheetah only has to be a little bit faster than the slowest zebra the one at the top and the apex predator picks up from the bottom of the prey, not the top of the prey. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, one for one. So it's using, you know, nature uses the most efficient, least harmful way of, you know, feeding each other and, and continuing on, not the two biggest powerful ones go head to head and Coke and Pepsi have a battle and oh, yeah. it's mayhem. Um, so we're not doing things according to the natural order. A lot of our structures that are, you know, part of modern society, mm -hmm. uh, in a way, the way they operate and the way they've been conducted is really an antithetical uh, towards natural, universal ways of of existing. That's a good point. You know, and it's it's interesting too because. Uh... You know, also there's, you know, there's this idea of, of survival of the fittest and, and so on that comes out of sort of, you know, Darwin's theories and so on. And, um, you know, some, some of that they're finding is not as exactly as, as maybe he observed. And, and, you know, they've done a lot of research into, um, you know, primates and so on. And they find that amongst uh, uh, chimpanzees, let's say, for example, Jane Goodall, did a lot of research with, and you know, they've done work with uh, apes and so on. But they 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 observe that there is a sort of you know there is this kind of pecking order, and there is a sort of a hierarchical structure that's set up, and it is somewhat based on um, uh, sort of a fitness and a sort of you know aggressiveness on the part of certain certain males in the in the structure. But then they've also recognized that there's uh, there's only so much of that that can occur uh, before the other apes or chimpanzees will turn on that, get together and take that, that dude out. So there has to be a certain amount of harmony also, and there has to be a certain amount of empathy for the other members of the troop, basically, or that, that really big, really aggressive member will be will be murdered basically. And so there's this sort of, there's, so there's a cooperation and a sort of empathy and kind of an understanding that I can only go so far and I have to have the group on my side as well uh, built into that. So it's interesting because oftentimes I think business uses that excuse, big business uses that excuse, oh, survival of the fittest, it's Darwinism. But even in nature, nature, like you said, it has limits and it knows how to, 
regulate itself in a natural way. And we seem to think we're above that natural order of things so that we can manipulate the system, crush and destroy all of our enemies, quote unquote, and the competition, you know, with impunity and just like, you know, raise the, raise the ground and then, you know, salt the earth like the Romans did against the Carthaginians because they hated them so much. They salted the earth so that they couldn't even grow crops and rebuild themselves. You know, that's our mentality. And it's like, that's not nature. That's something in human beings that goes beyond our natural things. And we, you know, in a lot of ways, we, this is where you've got to kind of sort of go outside of this natural order and realize like, in some ways it feels like human beings don't belong here to me, you know, and I'm not saying we don't belong here. And I'm not saying, you know, it's we're we're not, you know, a natural part of the ecosystem and so on or whatever, but we've certainly made ourselves into something that seems like it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's operating as if it's above the natural system that it lives in. That's odd to me. Like there is no other creature on this planet that, that would could or would do such a thing. They've, you know, they just wouldn't have the ability and nature would check itself. You know, if a, an elk herd gets too big, more predators come in and, you know, they have more kids because they're, you know, they're fattened up on, on elk meat. And, you know, naturally the, the, the elk herd will come back into alignment. It just occurs. These things happen, but we have somehow raised ourselves up to this technological level where we can like go out and, you know, take down a hundred, you know, thousands of acres of, of Amazon rainforest in, you know, a matter of hours and, you know, kill off species at the rate of, you know, every six minutes, apparently now a species is being becoming extinct and things like that. So our technology, we've raised ourselves up to this level where it's like, you know, we're sort of outside of the natural flow of things. And it's like, we've got to bring ourselves back in alignment, bring ourselves back down to a sort of level of like, okay, look, we're, you know, our technology is fine. It's great, but we need to kind of align our philosophical understanding and our ecological understanding of the earth and so on, and put that in alignment with our technology in some way. And that's going to mean also that we're going to probably have to do away with some of the way that we do things. It's just not working. You know, we're going to have to let natural systems try to come back. We're going to have to stop overfishing the oceans for a while. And we might not get that, you know, 80 cent can of tuna anymore um, for a while. And we need to allow things to kind of, you know, re regrow and, and allow things to come back into a proper alignment because we put things out of balance. You know, and that's something where, in a sense, like you were talking about unplugging from the system a little bit, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about this, where we talked about, you know, the matrix where, you know, Neo had to be unplugged from the matrix in order to learn how to operate within it. So it's like, sometimes we've got to unplug ourselves from the, the exterior system. You know, we can do that through prayer, through meditation, through taking time in nature, through, you know, just getting away from it all, taking, you know, whatever, or even just in our own, in our own room and just unplugging our mind from, you know, from the, from, from Instagram, from social media and from Netflix and all these different things and kind of, you know, trying to get, get outside of the system and kind of look at it as an observer instead of a participant gives you a a different perspective. It's like, you kind of look at how we're operating and the political systems and some of the people you're mad at. And you think just like you said earlier, well, if we just get our, 
our our uh, candidate in there, then everything's going to be okay. But then you don't look at like the the holistic nature of everything. Well, what does that mean? You know, how is that really going to change my life? And how is that really going to change that homeless guy's life? Or how is that really going to change that person? You know, that lives in in the inner city's life and you know, kids are going outside and getting shot at on the way to school. Like it's like, it's a different candidate in the system that's, you know, already operating that way and has been operating that way. Is that really going to change things? Well, I don't know. We don't know, but we've got to unplug. Well, what you can do is change yourself. There you go. You can do that. You can do that. And you can also see, try to see things more clearly before you try to, act on things also right so you know oh, definitely you... I, th- I think that's a huge step that gets overlooked these a lot of times we see a problem they go, well then we got to change this or oh i'm having trouble in my personal life so i'm going to change myself change my thinking change my attitude i think you're so right about this pullback period to stop and go wait a minute is this true is this true for me am i really this powerless or Am I really this powerful or can I change this? You know, would this really matter? Um, where are my efforts best directed to facilitate what it is I want? And also while you're pulled back, what, what is it I want? Yeah. You know, yeah. is it universal health care or, or do you want more people to be healthy? Those might be two different issues. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, um, mm-hmm. oh, I need more success. Well, I have to make more money. So this and this and that. Well, maybe you do, but maybe there's a way you can do that without making money with the regular system. Maybe there's, you know, barter systems. There's a lot of ways to do things. But yes, a pullback would say, what's really going on here? Is yeah. this true? What yeah. is it I really want and why? And then what's what might be the best way to approach this? And yeah. it's not reactionary. It's very proactive and progressive. But you have to step out of the whole thing because it's chaotic and there's a lot of it's agitated. There's, you know, with emotion, mm-hmm. just like a riverbed being stirred up with the current. It's cloudy. It's difficult to see through things. And that's not really a good position to act and make effective change without first pulling back and getting a better perspective, asking the right questions, and then looking at the solutions that maybe weren't quite as visible before. Instead of the right vaccine, what can I do to boost my own immune system? Doesn't mean you have to be against vaccines, but if you're just sitting back with your old behaviors, waiting for this magic shot to come across, well, while you're waiting, you know, you can do both. <laughs> yeah. Do what you can to, you know, do some breathing exercises so your lungs are more cleared. Sleep better so your body can regenerate. Um, yeah. You don't yeah. have to be so extreme, but, you know, while you're waiting for your politician to get elected, clean up your own neighborhood. Don't wait for them. Yeah, that's a huge point. And I think, uh, you know, one of the really, really effective, you know, this is the thing about the outer system, quote unquote. And all of the stuff that's going on in the world that seems problematic, it, it can it can seem very overwhelming. And the thing is, is that, you know, the, the media, 
and I use that term very broadly. I mean, the internet, television, movies, music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, t- uh, newspapers, if they're any in existence anymore, mostly they're on the internet now, magazines, whatever else people are taking in. The whole thing itself is designed to keep you for most, for the most part, not all, but most of it is designed to con- keep you discombobulated and bamboozled into thinking there's nothing you can do about any of this stuff except take an aspirin, take an Advil, take a Prozac, go to Barbados because that's the place that's advertising right now to get away from it all, Uh, you know, to be rich and that'll insulate you from all the problems out there, Uh, to have the right health care because that'll keep you safe and help you live longer. And, and all the different things and products and ideas that they're selling you. So that they're designed, they're, they're, you know, and TV was designed this way from the very beginning. And if you want to do a little research, and this isn't just my conspiracy theory. This is how TV was designed originally, free, free programming that agitated people and made them feel uneasy for the most part, except for the few little comedies here and there. Uh, but then the commercials were designed to be shown between you know, between scenes or, or, or whatever of the shows. And then they would be the solution to the problem that was being presented basically. So you're, you're unsettled by watching the show about people doing terrible things to each other. And then the commercials give you the solution and the relief from those symptoms that they've just given you through those programs. And it was designed that way. It was designed to sell products like aspirin and TV dinners and, you know, and, and uh, antiperspirants so that you don't, you know, God forbid you should smell like a human being, you know, things like this. It's like the whole system, you know, is making you feel guilty about having ring around the collar. If anyone remembers that and things like that, you know, it's like they cook up these ideas to make you feel bad about and then sell you a solution for some shit you don't even need. Well, you look didn't even it. know you needed it or until, didn't know, they, yeah, made until the they pointed it out. Well, look at what the pharmaceutical companies do. They invent, they invent diseases and they invent things that are not even real things. And, you know, like you'll see some kind of a, a commercial for a, for a new drug. And it's like, you know, do you feel anxious right now? Do you sometimes feel like you're, you know, like your feet are sore? Do you sometimes, are you uncomfortable uh, speaking in front of large groups? Well, then you must need this. And it's like, no, let's call life, bro. It's like, you know, they're, they're, they're taking normal human things like anxiety and, you know, and, you know, depression and things that occur naturally. And, and and I'm saying, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about clinical anxiety. I'm talking about the normal day-to-day stresses and ups and downs of life. And they've turned it into a, a diagnosis I'll tell you, their diagnosis is that you're a human being and life is inherently full of bumps and bruises. That's why I said, that's why Buddha said, you know, life is suffering. The sooner you can wrap your head around the fact that there is a certain amount of suffering to be endured if you're in a human body, the better off your life is going to be. And no corporation can sell you anything that's not going to make you feel that. You know, so you really have to look at the whole system and realize internally my real internal power and internal forces to understand that I'm an eternal, infinite, you know, spiritual being in, you know, living out this life in this body. 
And yes, the body is important. And yes, material existence is important. But this inner side of yourself is equally important. But, you know, the exterior outer system would have you believe that's a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of hippie new age bullshit. And it's like, you know, it's like the tail wagging the dog, basically. Material existence, you know, is, a, is an effect of spiritual cause. And yes, it's real. And yes, we're living in it. But it's ultimately insubstantial and, and unreal in the sense that it's, it's transitory. And even, you know, even particle physics tells us that matter is not a solid thing. It's, you know, it's energy. And our experience of that energy is energy. So the whole thing is just this, you know, interaction of different levels of frequencies of energy. You know, and I oversimplify. I'm not a physicist, clearly. But the point is, is that, you know, to get wrapped up in the material world and the external to the detriment of the soul and the inner life is a is a big mistake and you will never be happy doing that you have to live from the inside out not from the outside in would you agree with that well i certainly would and you know for outside problems you know there are some you know just like a material problem there might be a material solution sure but that's for smaller things um or maybe things that, that are a big deal if, you know, you don't have enough money to pay rent. Well, being able to pay rent would be a good thing. Sure. Um, but having, you know, this to wear or this to drive or to have this type of address or something isn't, isn't really going to make you happy. I think uh, there's been studies and we've talked about this where there's a sort of a base level uh, income. Yeah. That will satisfy the things that money can satisfy. Sure. But beyond which will do nothing for you. You know, there's like a a baseline for that. Um, And we should all have that. But the same thing, you know, with our health, you know, we should be, you know, health should be the baseline, not the exception. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we get sold the idea that, you know, we're naturally unhealthy I like what you're saying about suffering. You know, it's a difficult place to live, planet Earth, and it's difficult to live in a body. Um, there are all kinds of problems that, you know, rich and poor alike, you know, yep. uh, deal with, you know, equally, um, you know, on every level. Um, but that's okay. I saw a commercial talking about the drug commercials. I saw one about, oh, is your teen vaping? Look for the signs. Maybe they're agitated. Maybe they have a short temper. Maybe they're not talking to you as frequently. Maybe they isolate in the room. <laughs> Hold Maybe on. they're hanging, hanging out with their friends. is that the definition of a teenager? That's absolutely the definition <laughs> of a teenager. Oh. And, and if they're vaping or smoking, it's, it's to deal with that. Wow. That's a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's, not, it's not causing any of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, it may be its own problem. I don't, you know. It's, it's, exactly. Smoke, it's but, fine, but. But but that's how there's self medication. It's you know you're dealing with all these things. There's nothing more awkward than a twelve year old tween and a you know sixteen year old that doesn't know which way he's going. Sure, um, it's a hard time of yeah, life. Yeah, it's very tough. Exactly. And and then you deal with that. Wow, this is hard. Oh gosh, well tell me about that. Not oh you think this is hard. Well you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel this way. You should. 
darn right you should be upset yeah (laughs) you know it's it's okay sure Uh, but deal with that and soothe you know okay how can i manage uh, my stress not how can i eliminate it with the pill because first of all you really can't if all these pills and all these solutions really seem to work we wouldn't we wouldn't have so many there'd be no mental health problems in yeah. this country if yeah if uh, prescribing a certain type of pill is going to eliminate anxiety or depression maybe yeah, you exactly. a little bit of that to to keep your you know keep your life going but use yeah. it as, like you're back to judo again you're talking about aikido is use that energy okay well you know i'm upset because you know i don't have a car right now or something well Okay. Remember what that's like to not remember how good it would feel to have a car. And then that'll motivate you instead of like, oh, well, I'm just going to drink because I'm upset. Like, no, work on getting a car if that's going to do it for you or, mm. you know, um, you know, but be it, healthy, get some exercise, have yeah. good mental health, think good thoughts. Sure, exactly. Uh, you know, be open to, you know, more amazing possibilities, even if they don't seem accessible right now. It's well, possible. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the, the, you know, the big thing, the big takeaway that I want to kind of end, uh, end this with is the idea that the, you know, the, the out there system, the external world, the political and economic system does not determine your life and how you're going to live it. You know, it does not, it, it, it's a factor in it, but it does not determine it. And that is why the inner life is so important to cultivate. And so you need to get to know your own spiritual and, you know, psychological resources within yourself so that you can change yourself within so that you can can live in the way that you want in a free and, and creative and connected way. And, you know, sometimes you just need to unplug from the system for a while to be able to see clearly in order to do that in order to be able to do that. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to fall back on those inner resources when it seems like that system is, is keeping you down or it's oppressive. And it, again, it may be, it may have unfair things built into it and it, but it does, but that does not determine where you're going to go unless you let it in your own mind and in your own soul and in your own body. And, and that's the thing that, that, this is one of the things where, you know, when we start talking about systems of oppression and so on, and people get caught up in oppressor and oppressed type language and thinking, if you believe you are the oppressed, you really may be the oppressed. And I'm not saying that's not true, but if you truly believe that in your heart and your soul and you operate that way, and you think the only way that you're going to be free is to topple the system or to get this or that person out of office or what have you, um, you're not going to have the wherewithal and the ability and the strength to make the changes in the exterior world that you need. You've got to believe that internally you're free and internally you're a valuable person and internally you're divine before you can even make those steps to move towards those changes that you want. And what you may find is that as you grow internally and you make changes around yourself and society begins to change around you, that, you know, it becomes irrelevant what the laws are because they just won't enforce them at some point or they can't enforce them, let's say, if they're oppressive. Just no one will follow them. And then it's like 
there's plenty of laws on the books of old towns that are completely antiquated that no one follows that have to do, you know, with the practices from the, you know, the, you know, pre civil rights days. And, you know, there's stuff on the books from, you know, the late 17, early 1800s in some towns, they just don't follow those laws anymore. Like, Oh, if your neighbor does this, you have the right to burn down his farms. I don't know, whatever, but just antiquated stuff that we don't do anymore. Here's the thing. If you change yourself and you change your community and you change, you know, the people around you, starting from within, you know, and then everyone gets on board with it, it may be irrelevant to change the laws at some point. It may be irrelevant who the hell's in office or isn't in office because nobody's listening to them anyway. They're too busy doing their own stuff and living their own lives, growing their own food, doing co-ops and, you know, and, and, riding bikes and walking around so that they're not even, you know, they're not part of this, you know, this oppressive system or whatever, you know, you can kind of just subvert it with Aikido and Judo in some ways and, and some, you know, and you do it under the radar and then it becomes this groundswell and everybody's just drawn up into it at a certain point. That's really what happened with civil rights in the sixties. You know, it just became too big from the ground up for the government to really do anything so that, you know, people got on board with it and said, Hey, yeah, I'm all for this. And it got them elected and so on, but it was already happening. Do you, do you know what I mean? And it happened because people believed they're like, no, fundamentally, you know, we're all equal and fundamentally we need to all have the same rights. And fundamentally this is, you know, this system of, of oppression is wrong. And so they, you know, they marched and they, they didn't follow the laws and there was civil disobedience, all that stuff. And then, you know, gradually the laws changed, you know, but it the laws changed at the end, at the they end, didn't change at the beginning exactly. and then change everything. That was the last piece. And whether it's women's suffragette movement a uh, hundred years ago, civil rights in the sixties, uh, marriage equality. Uh, in the last 10 years, yep. these laws changing didn't change the minds of the people yep. and then, oh, now we're going to do this. No, that was already there. It had the full strength and support of a great movement. And then it's finally, well, okay, now you can get married. Exactly. Like, but people were still, <laughs> that was the last piece. People were still getting married, weren't they? And then people, and they, and, and, you know, there were, there were certain pastors that would do those marriages. And then of course, you know, there was pushback from, from the, you know, from the local governments that didn't want to, that didn't want to okay those particular marriages or what have you. And then, you know, it, but the people acted as if they were married and they just went forward with it. And they, you know, they, they, they did those things in a way that they, you know, they knew uh, that, you know, they believed in those ideas enough to just do them. And that's the thing. It's like, oftentimes when you want real change to occur and the system out there seems like it's doing things that you think are wrong, you may have to just, you know, opt out and do your own thing. And I'm not advocating, you know, law breaking and so on, but there is such a thing as civil disobedience at times that people need to participate in. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about destructive things and I'm not talking about things that are hurting other people. I'm talking about doing things that may be, you know, against a certain way of, of looking at things or even certain laws. I mean, there were laws at, for example, in Los Angeles, and I, I should have looked this guy's up name because I forgot, but he's that, he's that, there's a, there's a, there's an African-American guy that does uh, that does great farming work and he's got master classes. Do you remember his name? 
the one in Los in LA. Um, not offhand, but I know exactly who you're talking about. All right, well, I'll, I'll put it in the I'll put it in the uh, in the description because I'll look it up after we're done with the show. But you know, he he was growing food basically in vacant lots and in the spaces uh, on the sidewalk that were just like they weren't even grass because he was in somewhere in, I think he's in Inglewood or you know he's off Crenshaw or something somewhere in, you know pretty rundown neighborhoods and stuff and pretty dangerous neighborhoods. But he was ta- you know he was taking those areas. The grass wasn't even kept. He ripped out the grass and put in like banana trees and mangoes and all this stuff. And the city was fining him for using city property, property improperly or something. And they weren't even coming and trimming the grass or anything like that. And they, you know, they don't care about those neighborhoods at all for the most part, but they, they cared enough to come and find this guy who was growing food for the neighborhood. Those kinds of things, you know, when you find yourself running up against those sorts of things, and eventually, by the way, he ended up taking it to court because he had so many fines. He had, you know, and all this, you know, all these people were behind him and they were protesting on his behalf and stuff. And they ended up, I believe they ended up changing, changing laws or just looking the other way. So now, you know, you can do this kind of thing in certain places. These are the kinds of things that make changes, you know, and if you so if you truly believe in a cause and you really want something to change in that exterior world, first of all, get it on the inside of yourself and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Number one, not just your ego, but, you know, go out there and do the do the stuff as if it's the right thing to do. If you know, if it if it is in, you know, it's if it's an ethical thing, and it's a, it's morally the right thing to do. It's ecologically the right thing to do. And you see stuff that's not right. You know, go out there and do the thing you need to do and make it happen. Uh, you know, you can make those changes. And so have have some have some hope that changes can can come. And, you know, great changes usually come from grassroots movements from the bottom up, not from the top down. And that starts within yourself. That's the inner system. And then the outer system begins to change as you reflect that out into your little world and that grad, like a, like a stone thrown in the water. You see those ripples that form and those outward rings that come off of that stone as it drips, drops down into the water. That's what our, our inner power does. It ripples out like that. And then other people pick it up and more ripples happen. And it, it becomes a, a, a massive sea change then, you know, but it starts on the inside, doesn't it? It does. It starts with these seeds uh, that get planted and they take care and cultivation and a little time to grow. Yeah. Uh, was that the good seed community? The guy you're talking about, Jonathan Thompson. Mm, that doesn't, where is that? Is that in LA? Like Inglewood yeah. or Crenshaw or something? It could be. South LA. Could yeah. Be. yeah. Good seed church. Anyway, there, there's, there's, there could be several, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, if I can have a, a parting, uh, parting word yeah, about please. Uh, a term that gets used a lot, uh, and that's privilege. That if you're born with a certain, you know, economic or racial or some other kind of advantage, that you are privileged within this system. Or if you're not, then you're underprivileged. And yes, if you're a believer in social Darwinism, that this artificial structure. Well, if you're part of that, then there is some truth to that. But it really denies and flies in the face of all the evidence. I know so many people that are so-called born privileged economically or uh, with fame or things like that. Um, and, and, and they have an equal opportunity to screw up, and a lot of them do. And I know some people that have come from 
you know, meager existences, uh, underprivileged classes uh, in society that have gone on to do great things. Uh, the yeah. real privilege that each and any, every one of us has is the privilege of our own consciousness and the ability to direct that and our own personal and universal power that we have to do great things. If you start out denying your privilege <laughs> um, an advantage that you have, then you're just, you're setting yourself up, you know, really for failure. Um, but if you, no matter where you're from or whatever background you uh, originate from, you have a great privilege as being a spiritual being, a human being. You have the privilege of having uh, discernment in what you think is right and wrong. You have a compassionate heart. That's an incredible privilege. You have hands and feet to do skills. And even if those are compromised with a disability, well, then you have the power of speech and thought and the power of love to get people on board with what it is you believe in and determination uh, to make things like an urban seed bank or community farming a possibility. That's the real privilege we all have. That's real power that's within every human. And we need to recognize that and utilize that and spend it accordingly. Fantastic. That was a, that was a very uh, well put uh, well put point. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and also, yeah, you know, just to add just a tiny bit to that, I would say also like you know, don't let the outside definition of who you are, whether you're you know, someone telling you you're privileged, you're underprivileged, you're this, you're that, you're marginalized, you're you know, you're don't don't let those definitions define who you are. You know, and if you feel the need to fight against, you know, what you feel is injustice, you know, do so. But don't let those those labels define how far you let yourself go. You know, go back and remember that there are people who have, you know, worked through situations that, you know, were incredibly difficult and have, you know, made, you know, giant contributions to, to humankind, um, you know, almost not in spite of their situation, almost because of it, you know? So sometimes, you know, those things that, uh, those difficulties that we have can actually be our benefit if we are able to put them in perspective and, and use, you know, use the lesson from those challenges and those, those setbacks and from those, you know, difficulties and from those, you know, wrongs that have happened to us or what have you to move, to move forward, you know? So uh, I think uh, Napoleon Hill said every, every discouragement, every defeat, every, every, you know, negative thing has the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit within it. So if you look for those things, you know, if you look for the, the greater or equivalent benefit to whatever challenges you face, I can make a great deal of difference in that, that external system in that outer world. And you have to find those within. So think about that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Did you have any other parting words? I, mean, I thought that was so great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, great point. Yeah. We all have that seed of transformation within us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, great, great stuff today. I appreciate your help. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. That's going to do it for uh, our show today. Um, Please check out our books if you can. Um, 
Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. Mine is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate at either Amazon.com or you can go to ChrisSheridan.com. And, of course, you can support us at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a way that you can make a small donation through there. If you, if you, uh, like the work that we're doing here, we, we, we need your help. So please, please support us if you can. Uh, have a great week. Uh, join us for a Friday Emmett Fox show as well. If you haven't listened to that and then we're here each Sunday with a new, uh, new episode of the cosmic eye show. So thanks again. Have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.